Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I'm Pastor Danny, one of the pastors here, and this is our podcast where we talk about all things going on in the life and ministry of Waypoint Church. We're so glad you joined us today. Uh, we are no longer in Waypoint Studios. We are now in Lawrence's office, which is Waypoint Studios 2.0. So who, who's joining me today? Uh, Pastor Eric here. I feel like wherever we are, it's the studio. It's so Waypoint I, I Studios. Feel like it's, it's flexible there. Home is where the heart is. Home studios is where the heart is. Studios where the where the three uh, snowball forty five dollars snowball mics. Well, I'm Pastor okay. Lawrence. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. All right. Well, we're so glad to have you guys. All right. Icebreaker question. So, what's your morning ritual? Like, uh, are you a coffee drinker? And the reason why I ask this for those of you at home is just recently Lawrence has been trying to drink coffee. Uh, it's a little less Mud Coke water. Zero. And uh, he's trying different coffees. He thinks the Keurigs makes it bad. And then Megan tried to introduce him to something better, like a French press or something. Air press. Air press. Nice and and uh, so so that, that kind of got us thinking about this. And then, but what's your morning ritual? And is, yeah. So why don't we start with you, Eric? Yeah, I mean... I don't. I don't necessarily have a, a morning ritual. Like I, I uh, three kids under five. Yeah, I don't. Pre pre kids? Did you have one? <laughs> pre kids? I don't. I mean, pre kids is like going to work like really early. But um, I mean, I, so I don't. I don't eat breakfast. I don't. You know, it really. It's it's more. What's been more so lately is I set like two or three alarms and then I snooze them because. <laughs> Uh, you know, kids aren't sleeping as well. And, um, you know, one, one of the questions I've consistently been asking my wife, Sarah, as we wake up in the morning is, did you sleep all the way through the night? Hmm. And she'll kind of laugh at me and say, you, you didn't wake up. You, you didn't get woken up by one of the kids. I was like, hmm. no, I didn't. Mm. She's like, well, that's nice. Cause they always wake her up. <laughs> um, so it's just like, just, just this last night she said, uh, I asked her that she's like, you, you didn't realize that one of your one of our kids was in the bed with us for part of the night. It's like no, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I guess that that gives you a little window into how tired uh, our lives have been. <laughs> oh well, okay. So one day you'll have this awesome morning ritual. Right now yeah. it's just loving I'll, your well, wife. Yeah, one day I'll be a snob yeah. talking about coffee and. Yeah. Or, you know. Right now it's loving your wife, loving your kids. Right. Right. <laughs> well, so um, for me, I only I wake up and I drink Kopi Lapak. Whatever what is Kopi Lapak? I don't even know that's what it's called. I just looked it up. It's the most expensive coffee that exists. Kopi Luwak coffee. Mm. And uh, it comes from uh, the beans that are taken out of the digestive tract after it's kind of pooped out by a civet cat. So, yes, those of you, most expensive coffee in the world is called Kopi Luwak coffee. So of course, Lawrence. That's the only coffee that I drink. Okay, the and rest of it's mud water. Can, can you tell us a little bit more of, of why you enjoy it so much? Or? It's the earthy taste. <laughs> <laughs> We've resorted to middle school humor, guys. Yeah. All right, so for real, Lawrence, you so, don't drink coffee. Yeah, what do you do? I don't drink coffee. Um, I actually wake up before my alarm most days. I don't. I don't know what it is about me. Like it just mentally, I set an alarm every day, but I usually wake up before my alarm always. And then I, you know, usually get. Get ready. The first thing I do is I get Hudson up, get him ready for school. Because he has, I mean, can you believe elementary school? He has to leave by 7, 10. Mm. Yeah, that's so early. That's so early for kids. So he has to have breakfast. I'll get, get him breakfast ready at 6.45, make sure he's dressed and ready to go to school, everything like that, pack his lunch. Then I get him out. Then I get, then I get once he gets out, then I get Josiah ready to go out. So then, then after we get both kids out, then I get ready to go out. So that's kind of like my routine. In between then, I try to fit in a Wordle. Typically, you <laughs> I, like nice. I like to get a wordle in there. I like to read a little bit of the news of what's going on and drink my Kopi Luwak. 
All right. I've never had Kopi Lowak before. So, yeah, our son, I have to drive him to school at 7.25. That's when we're target time to leave the house. So I have to get up. Uh, I'll, Erica makes an egg and toast and with, put jelly on it and coffee. I normally have to eat it pretty fast because I sleep till the last minute. Uh, I do like to do Wordle, but sometimes I don't get to do it till later in the afternoon. But if I can, like on Saturdays or whatever, I'll drink. I like. I, I really like coffee, and uh, yeah, so that's my ritual. I definitely like to read the news, so I'll probably just just try to read something in the morning. But getting Derek to school is and oh, we listened to the Lord of the Rings in the car. We started when he was in sixth grade, and then COVID hit, and we're almost done. So, wow. so like we've been reading through the whole book. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a yeah, it's an audio book, a really, really good version. So, if you guys want to follow up with me, I can give you a great, a great version <laughs> of the audio, the three audio books. But yeah, we're about halfway through the uh, the final book. Is it a dramatized reading or is, no? Is, he 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 does do different voices, but okay. it's not. A, it's just a British guy, older British guy reading, and it's it's really good. good. So we uh, that's been fun. So we're we're at the point where like. Yeah, t- toward the end of the book. So it's the end of the, all three books. All right. So for this uh, this podcast, we're going to be talking about, you know, what is the church? How should the church be structured? And, you know, what's going on now in our modern American context where people are like, well, it, the church could just be me and Jesus and my Bible. Or, well, I go to this church, but then this, is, this group's my real church. Or this Bible study, I think of this as my church and not this. I, I, I get it. There's a lot going on with the internet and, and other things. So so we just wanted to start a dialogue here at Waypoint on what is the church. We did do a sermon on this uh, last fall, and you can go back and listen to that. We kind of had three on the local church, but we just wanted to continue this dialogue. And there might be some future podcasts where we bring other people on and have them experience what why church attendance is vital for them. So for today, I'm going to start with the question, what is the church? And, uh, you know, there's, there's a seminary answer to this, but then there's also kind of a, a hard answer. So if someone were to say to you, hey, what's the church? How would you answer? Uh, 6804, Frank. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the common answer. People, the, the interesting problem that we've had in, all throughout culture is that in our culture, we have the church. It's the same word that we use for what for, we're talking about. It's for a noun. It's for a building. A physical as it is, building. A physical yeah, yeah. building, yeah, for something else. Is it a movement? Is it a group of people? Is it a body? Is it the building? Is it uh, all of it to combine? And so that question is kind of difficult at times uh, to answer, but I think it's something that we need to answer. And we really, I think we have a problem in the church body because there's so many different types of churches, so many views that we haven't really truly defined what the church is. And so I'd like to start it off by like, what is actually the root word church come from? Mm-hmm. The root word comes from the ecclesia, uh, or ecclesia, or ecclesia, huh. uh, which is really kind of means assembly. Yeah, gathering Gathering, uh, kind of a called gathering, if you will. Um, which is kind of how they translated the Septuagint version of Kehal, which was the assembly, the sacred assembly, the holy assembly. Yeah. And so the idea started off with what the holy assembly in the Old Testament was the covenant people would gather together to hear from the Lord instructions for whether it's military conquest or receiving of the law. So it was a holy sacred type of gathered together, and the whole body was called the Kehal, which is the gathered assembly. Mm-hmm. And so you take a little bit of that element into this our translation of what, what it means to be the church, but you also take into the element of uh, what is the overall biblical theology that exists of the called people of God. Yeah. 
You know, and then I think that's how you have to take both ideas of root word of where it came from, and then the biblical theology of who we are as people got to determine what who the church is. Yeah, so it's the it's the 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 larger body, the global, all the people, all the saints for all times who are called by Christ and and honor Christ and call on Christ and and call Christ as Lord are the church. But then the church is also this local assembly, these these local gatherings all over the world. So it's both, and I love how you brought it back to the original word. It is interesting that the Greek word that they chose to use isn't the word for tabernacle or temple. It's not, it's not linked to the building. It's linked to the gathering of the people. Uh, even funny word, if you play word, all the agora is where they had the Ecclesia. Remember when Agora showed up and if people freaked out, that yeah. was the day that the New York Times took over. The Agora is like the, uh, you said it in your sermon. Yeah. I wonder if people caught it. It was this, this place where they would assemble and have these assemblies and the Greeks would ha- talk about philosophy and the the New Testament writers and even the Septuagint, the, Old Test- the Greek version of the Old Testament, was not afraid of using that term to describe the gathering of people. So I think as it, as the church goes into the Greco-Roman world, it's okay to think of it as both, as the large covenant community, but also the local gathering of people is the church. And I think I think it, you know you, you hear as, as people talk about like what is the church as they as they navigate answering these questions. I mean, you can you can look at uh, maybe some of the the symbolism, some of the metaphors that are used in in the scriptures where. Uh, Biblical authors talk about the church as it's the bride of Christ, it's the the family of God, it's the it's body. the body, it's yeah. um, all all, the, all all these different things. It is it's the temple. Your, yeah, your there's, body a is a there's, there's, there's a there's foundation. There's a there's a cornerstone. Yeah, um, and so we're we're many members of of one body, and so so it's it is a people it is working together, and these these give us a, some some semblance of a picture of of what God means and what He intends when when He establishes the church. But then I think also, you know, when you, when you think about this, it's like the the church is a people, it's not a building. But then at the same time, it, it, it's a gathering, it's a, it's a collection of, of saints. That, that So it is it is both universal and it's local. It's both invisible and it's visible. I'd say like the, the local expression, uh, the, the local local churches are expressions of, of the visible church. And and for us being in, in the context that we're in, in, in this part of the world, you see church buildings all over the place, and you even see uh, like maybe traditional understanding of what a church building is supposed to look like. We, we've made warehouses into, we've repurposed uh, warehouses into to churches, and, and so you see all those things. But then you can also go to other places in the world where there aren't established buildings, and I think it's it's helpful to remember that even even the buildings. Are are signaling something? They're they're communicating something to the world around us uh, that you can pass by a church building and, and have some some idea of th- that's a location where the people of God are gathering around the God's word. Uh, who, who they're 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 trying to bear witness to uh, who God is, what they've called us to. Uh, we're we're living on mission. We're called to a specific purpose. As we, we we're stewards of the gospel and we're we're messengers of of hope that we carry with us. Not just not just so that we when we gather, but also as, as we go out and uh, as we as we seek to uh, advance God's kingdom, as we seek to make disciples of of to the ends of the earth. Um, but but even even in in that, like the establishment of a building, that that signals something. That oh, there's there's something about those pe- like those people and they're gathering there for sp- for specific purposes. I think one key element of what a church is it needs to tie back into the idea of covenant. 
You know, this idea of what is a church is we are the gathered people of God together, one universal, uh, invisible and visible. But what makes us separate, what makes us different, what separates me and my wife from me and other women is that we made a covenant vow. We're, we're united in the fact that we're all human beings. We're united in the fact that uh, I'm connected to every human being because we're made in the image of God. What makes me and my wife's relationship different and separate from me and every other woman is that we've covenanted together to live life together to serve the Lord together, to raise kids together, to be a family together. Mm-hmm. That element of covenant is so foundational to the whole people of God. Their understanding of who they are in light of the covenant that God promised them to be a people that will bless the nations, the people that will have God as their great reward. That covenant promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we live in the result of that covenant promise fulfillment. And we've now made a covenant with him as we are with the church body. As we enter into a church membership together, we say we are covenanting to be a part of this church community, be a part of a church body together. That's how we enter into being known as one body or being known as one building or being known as one whatever um, illustration that the Bible uses. Is that it happens through covenant. It happens through mutual promise. And so we commit to one another. We commit to do this thing called life and the Christian life together in advancing his kingdom. And so I think that element of covenant is so important as we understand what the church, local church body is. And I think when we think about the covenant, it's like we're under the new covenant. So if you if you say, I, I follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I commit my life to him, you are coming under his covenant, his lordship, his kingship. And the way you do that is to join a local church, to be part of a local body of other people who are also coming under that covenant. And that's why we say in the Protestant tradition, we have two ordinances, baptism. That's kind of you saying, I'm entering into this covenant family and the Lord's Supper, which is kind of a a consistent reminder of our sinfulness, our brokenness, and the new covenant. Jesus literally says... This is the new covenant in my blood, that we are part of the new covenant. So we're continually, we're doing these these two sacraments. One is kind of the, the initial one to show that we're in, and we continually remind ourselves of our baptism. And the second one is this, this Lord's Supper, this meal where we come back together and continually remind ourselves that we are under the Lordship of Christ, we are saved by Christ, and we are part of this new covenant family so the church is so at its essence the church is the gathering of these people locally and then all these little local assemblies make up the global church and all the people who have gone before us so it's that that was the way that jesus set it up and the beautiful thing is this can go to all cultures it's not bound to a building it's not bound to a language it's not bound it's it's bound to a, a person and a, and a faith that's passed down from, from each local church. They send people out to other places, and, and the, it's been passed on and passed on, and we have a word, and we have his spirit, the pouring out of his spirit, and we have Jesus as our head. So it's a beautiful thing what the church is at its core, but then that moves into what were you gonna say, Eric? You got well, one I was more just, just going to add, yeah. add one last thing. Is just just like as as you're participating in that covenant, it, it's binding you to to God. We have we are people who have a relationship with the living God. Yeah. Uh, but then also through through that relationship, as we're joined in, as you're talking about through through baptism, we're, we're being we're we're brought into this this family as covenant people that we we're also uh, covenanting with one another. That we're joined as we join to the body of Christ. We're we're joined with the the many different members, and so we we actually. As a family, we we uh, we care about other members of the family that we're invested in in, in God's people because, as He's invested in us. Yeah, interesting thing. We're going through Mark as as a family and uh, and it, in family devotion, we're doing it once a week. And there's a time when when Jesus says, 
you know, they're like your mo- your mother and your brothers are, and your sisters are looking for you, you know, and, and he's like, the you guys are my mother and my brother and my sister. And I think that's that's Jesus introducing the idea that all of us that in this new kingdom he's creating, like you are joining a family, which which is a tremendous responsibility because it means in in a, in a in a Jewish context, you had to care for your family. That's why Christians care for mm-hmm. widows and orphans because we know in, in the people who are vulnerable inside our family because we know that God's called us to it. So so even Jesus himself is is beginning to. Sh- to show them that this new community I'm creating, when this, when you do, guys, when you, when you become the church, you guys are going to be brothers and sisters with each other. And I, and I think sometimes some of our modern ways of doing church, like oh, it's just me and my Bible, or I listen to this pastor on YouTube. Sometimes that might eliminate some of that being connected to other people. And I, I feel like part of this conversation today is, is how do we maintain that the family element of being a church? So we'll move on to the next question. So how should the church be structured? How did the new Testament structure it? How did the early church structure it? We obviously the Catholic church split to the Orthodox church. If you guys know church history, they structured it one way. Luther didn't, Luther didn't break away from the Catholic church as much as modern people think he did. He, he kept a lot of the traditions and the rituals and stuff. And the Anglican also Anglican church when they split too. And then you have all the Protestant denominations. So how should the church be structured and why are there so many denominations? Lawrence, let me, I want to hear your, your answer for this. All right. Great question. Um, how should the church be structured? Um, I don't know. What about Third Corinthians five? Exactly. Doesn't it have the list where Paul says exactly. this is how you every should structure church a church? Every culture and every nation and every time should be structured like this. It says that. No, it doesn't. That's the beautiful thing about scripture. We've talked about this often here in our podcast. The Bible isn't prescriptive in everything it says. The Bible fits for all times, all cultures, all nations, all tri- like it fits for all of it because the God knew how long His Word will be lasting. Mm-hmm. And so he's not very specific for this culture, do it this way, this way. Do it. If you go to other countries, other times in history, whatever, the church looked different at different times. And that's okay. You know, it's okay that in some circumstances, there's all we have is an underground church movement where there's people hiding in the basement meeting in churches. In some churches, it's okay that we have one piece of, of the Bible or one page of the Bible and they read it together huddled over a candlelight. It's okay that other places is a massive building. And this is the way they're able to gather people and share the gospel with seekers, especially in a culture that seems to be anti-gospel, whatever it may be. It's okay that we have had beautiful buildings. It's okay that we've had tents. God's used all of it for his glory. And so it's not prescriptive. I'm not, I, I'll, I will never be the guy that says it has to be this one way. I'm not God. You know, and I love what God's blessed us to have here at Waypoint Church, but I'm not foolish enough to say that this is the only way to do it. Yeah, and if we look at the structure of the New Testament, how the church is presented to us, we have the four Gospels, which use references from the Old Testament, the assembly, but then our, Jesus is really creating a new kingdom and a new covenant, and he uses that language and talks about like the Mark passage where I talked about where he's, he's flipping things upside down or pointing them to things that they should have already noticed that were already there in Deuteronomy and in Isaiah that they just missed. And he's saying, I, I'm creating this new kingdom. And then we look at the letters. The letter, there's no letter where it says, this is how to do it. Exactly. Like structure it like this, have this, this is how long you, 
you need to be in training to be a leader. This is what exactly what the leaders look like. This is exactly how once you hit this amount of people, divide into other things, only meet in houses, try to get a building as fast as possible, you know, defy the government always, try to work cooperate with the government. There's there are letters where ch- early churches are struggling and Paul particularly and then Peter and, and and John and a few others, James are giving them sound advice on how to follow Jesus in their context. And in that beauty, we get in all these New Testament letters, in the Gospels, and then in the History and Acts, and then in the New Testament letters, we have everything we need to know how to run a church. But that means that we got to live in tension because there's no clear, do this, do this, do this. I personally believe that, like Lawrence mentioned, that this allows the gospel to go everywhere for all times. It's not bound to a language. It's not bound to a, a political structure. It's not even bound to a personality type or a, a cultural type. It can penetrate all cultures, no matter where that culture was coming from, no matter what all the re- ritualistic religious things that they did before the gospel came to them. It can just come to them, penetrate their hearts, and they can create a local assembly immediately and do the kind of things that the New Testament writers are addressing immediately. Now, I will say this. There are things that you, sh- you can't do, that you shouldn't do, that the Bible is clear on. Yeah. You know, so I- I'm not saying that we don't stand for anything. Like, oh, anything is a church then. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that whatsoever. I am saying that it has not been prescriptive fully on how exactly to run a church. So I'm not saying that, oh, well, if we gather a bunch of people together and they all give me $5 million, then uh, we'll call ourselves a church and then we can just do whatever part as we want. And we're a church. I'm not saying that. I mean, what what are some of the the elements then that you, you say or would say are like you kind of see consistent across the as as these different churches in the New Testament are, are being established? What what are some of the maybe principles or, or uh, things that you see yeah. as as part of that that we can we can draw out and say okay this this would be helpful for us to uh, kind of figure out how to flesh out in our own context? Yes, the principles are there. The principle Hebrew says, do not neglect gathering together. It says, encourage one another. It says, spur each other on to good works. There's so many principles that the Bible talks about. And there's all elements that, 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 that Paul wrote about in regards to what not to do. So we know what to do. Does that make sense? So there's so many elements of like pursuing purity, pursuing righteousness, um, loving your neighbor, um, you know, uh, setting up systems of church leadership and discipline even. Yeah, discipline, church leadership, roles. Like yeah. there's a clear part in Acts where it's like there's some leaders and they're bogged down with some administrative tasks so they can't go and share the gospel. So they create the deacon system so that people can do administrative tasks. There's offices and gifts that we offices, see as well. There's, yeah, all, there's lists of gifts. Paul has multiple lists of gifts. And then there's there's offices. Again, the, the list of offices isn't isn't the way we maybe want it. It doesn't look like our U.S. Constitution or bylaws or something where it's it's word for word. This is what an, this is what an elder is. This is what an overseer is. Uh, this is what a deacon is. We we get different letters where Paul or, or one of the other authors is addressing something, and that's why we have different denominations. Mm-hmm. So there's basically four types of church structures that have come out of this. The first one is what we'd call the Episcopal one, and it's based on the word episkopos, which is one of the Greek words that we get the word overseer for, and uh, it just is more top-down. It means that they're supposed to be like a bishop, and the bishop is over some other bishops, and those bishops are over 
a bunch of local churches. So like there's, there's say maybe 10 local churches or 20 local churches and there's somebody overseeing, like there's a pastor to the pastors and then there's a pastor to that pastor. And that's, that's how the Episcopal church, that's how the Methodist the church, church and the, and the Catholic, Catholic church, church are set up. Okay. That's one tradition. Uh, and the Lutheran church is kind of like that. He, they, they have some of those elements. Mm. Then you have the Presbyterian system, which kind of split the difference. It came after the enlightenment. It kind of came around the same time that they were talking about governments and different forms of governments. The Presbyterian system looks a lot like the U S government. It's kind of a representative democracy. Like they're still a presbyter, which is the, uh, the word, the other Greek word, Episcopos and Presbytos are two Greek words or the, a version of them that we get the word elder and overseer in our Bibles. Some tra- some traditions, including the Baptist tradition, say they mean the same thing. Other traditions separate them. But that tradition says that there's that the congregation has some vote and some autonomy and some authority, but they also, it's like they elect presbyters, elders, to oversee them. So they have a little more say. Then there's what's called the congregational or the Baptist system, which means the car, the local congregation has all the authority to make all the decisions. There's no bishop over them. And then you have kind of more the free range thing, which some Pentecostal churches and even some overseas, some international churches have embraced, some house churches have embraced, where there's no specific leader. Everybody's kind of a leader. Those are the four that have arised, you know, over the years. Which, I would say there might be a fifth one. There might okay, be one, yeah, I didn't even think of another well, one. Well, the fifth but, one would be the one that's kind of like pastor as owner or CEO. You yeah, know, that's coming just recently in American model. popular now right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that you have this lead pastor who basically owns the church, who runs the church, who has all full control. And that one's not really any. There's not much New Testament. <laughs> the other ones have some grounds in the New Testament, especially the main three. Right. So that fourth one I mentioned is just kind of comes and goes with when there's when there when no leader can step up or when they're in a unique situation. Most people, New Testament scholars, would not recommend that as the norm. They would say kind of not having a leader, not having some kind of connection to other local bodies that that shouldn't be the the norm that should be an extreme circumstance and you can still be a church in that moment but the ceo church is is really nowhere to be found in the new testament but it's very easy for us as as americans to to like that because we want we kind of want that so yeah and there's probably even others that have formed right but the the three main structures that have come out of church history are really this episcopal form the Presbyterian form or the congregational form, which is what Baptist churches have embraced. So that that's kind of where we got where we are. There's New Testament arguments for all of them, all three of the big ones. So there, you could use this verse, and, and probably some of your favorite pastors and favorite speakers and favorite people in church history have embraced different ones. There, there's not a consensus on, and, and that's okay. Like that, but that's how we got to where we are. So, so I'd say, uh, in terms of what, what I hear us describing, uh, like in terms of maybe some of the principles that can be be drawn out from the New Testament writings, uh, there there is some sense of, of leadership. There's some sense of structure. Yes. There's some sense of orderliness that should be a part of the, the gathered, the assembled uh, body of believers, and accountability uh, from other assemblies and other yeah, there, yeah being connected there's, there's to a, other a assemblies. Systems of accountability. Uh, it, it's it's a location where the, the the gospel is proclaimed, yes. uh, and and the the sacraments, the, the teachings, sacraments are practiced. Uh, the sacraments the are practiced. Taught. Um, it's it's a 
a, a, loc- a, a people that are learning how to relate to e- each other. They're, they're learning the values of, of kingdom living. And, and one of the things I pr- appreciate about uh, some of the New Testament writings is uh, you, you get a lot of, the, you see a lot of these one another passages throughout the, the New Testament, which is teaching us how to relate to one another. I think sometimes when, when you hear people talk about the, the church uh, today, they ask, you know, why, why aren't we like the, the church and why, why, why doesn't our church look more like the, the early church and the New Testament church? And you look at the New Testament, it's, it's almost like this idealistic type mm. thinking language. And I look at the, the New Testament churches and I see like there's so much conflict. There's so much, and, and even in these one another passages, it's like bear with one another, you know, mm-hmm. be patient with one another. All, it's realistic of no there's going to be conflict in relationships you're still even even as you come into the body of christ you're still a human mm-hmm. and so that means that means conflict is coming your way that being in the body doesn't make things necessarily easy and so but it but it does teach us a new way to relate to one another mm-hmm. and, and a kind of devotion and commitment to one another as as unto the lord as as we, we want to live our lives in a in a worthy manner that that god has called us to as his new people as part of his body as as members and he gives each of us different giftings and and, and we're learning how to flesh out what does it mean to be uh united in one flesh together where we have these different gifts that, that are we are equipped with through the, the power of the holy spirit and so even in that it's like we have we have purpose we have belonging we have we and and we're meant to to build up not ourselves we, god doesn't give us these gifts to build up ourselves but to to be a benefit to be a blessing to one another and to uh even as as we seek to proclaim the gospel to uh to our city to our community to be a blessing to our community mm-hmm. and and some of you might be asked so what is waypoint well because we come out of the uh baptist congregationals tradition that's the main structure, but because we're also multi-denominational and we want to learn from, we're always reforming and we're always learning from others. We also incorporate elements from, I would argue, from the Presbyterian model and even from just some things we see in the New Testament that we're like, we want to incorporate this. And we even have some things from more of the Anglican Episcopal model that we, we try to incorporate in. So we are not bound to anyone. We, as a local congregation we try to say what's best for us to worship god and if we see something that another church is doing well and it would help our local community uh disciple well love each other well care for each other well do live out what the new testament letters are teaching us and what the gospel show us in this new kingdom then we'll we're we're more than willing to try different things and to incorporate them into the life and body of our church. We're not bound just because someone wrote a document three hundred years ago. We're not bound to that that exact way of running a church. At the same time, we try to honor all these different traditions and say what's best for us now. So that that's kind of how we function as a local church. Um, all right, so I'm going to move on to the nitty gritty. So. What does all this mean? Right now we have internet churches, literally like some churches you go on their thing and they'll be like, how many people go to your church? And it'll say, we have 5,000 people who come in person and 20,000 people who worship with us online. So that church is literally saying those 20,000 people who watch their internet broadcasts are part of their church. I understand during COVID, this was a little tricky. I'm talking about kind of in a post-COVID world. I'm not talking about someone who's who can't get to the building because they're you know sick or bedridden or or some kind of crisis or something. I'm talking about a healthy person who could attend, could enter into a building close to their home 
to like the internet church being their church. And some people would say, that's my church. There are small groups. So some people might go to a bigger church, but be like, my, they'll, I've heard them say, I go to the so-and-so church. It's really big. But my small group, that's my real church. There's Bible studies, like outside parachurch Bible studies, or even Bible studies in your own church. There are mega churches that some people are connected to that they never really see the same people each week, but that's their church. And like I said, some people in those spaces say that their small group is a real church. Some people say, no, the gathering on Sunday morning is my real church. Uh, there are parachurch organizations that do all kinds of ministry and missions that some people treat as their church, particularly like when I was a college student, some people were like, oh, I, I can just be part of this campus ministry. I don't need to go to church. And I'm thankful that now all the campus ministries kind of teach their students that's not a good idea. Get involved in a local church. Our church is a, our movement is a parachurch movement. Then there's podcasts of sermons, study Bibles. There's so many ways for us to think I'm getting church. Um, and then there's just local church, like just showing up on Sunday morning and being part of a body. Uh, I'm not saying that any of these are, I'm not, I'm not necessarily make, trying to make a judgment. I'm just saying these are all the different ways that Americans in the last 10 or 15 years have told me, this is my church. Like literally some people have said me watching so-and-so on YouTube, that's my church right now. So speaking of this, what are, you, what are your guys' thoughts? Like, how, do you, how do you feel about this? Like what, what, how can we process this? The first question I would have is one, I'd question, I'd ask the question, who are you covenanting with? Who's committing the covenant back with you? You know, if, if you're saying to the, your parachurch ministry, we're co- I'm covenanting to this parachurch ministry, but the parachurch ministry is saying back to you, no, 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 we're not a church. We're not covenanting back to you. Then that's not a church. Yeah. You know, it takes a mutual covenantal commitment in relationship. So if you're then saying, okay, well, I'm covenanting to this podcast, I listen to this podcast, and I come, well, then they're not covenanting back to you. You know, the speaker that covenant is not saying back to you. If, for example, if you're coming into this podcast, no, we're not a church. We're not committing back to you just because you listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I would say, are you, who's coming back to you? So you can do that in many different churches, many different sizes, many different styles of churches. But I'd ask that question, who are you covenanting with? You know, and obviously the first question is, you know, belonging to Jesus. But I meant after that, like... Yeah, we're all... Accepting Christ and calling on right. Christ as Lord After we brings you ex- into the universal, universal church. church. We're talking about local. being part of an assembly, right. which is what the word, literally the word church means. So I say, who are you covenanting with? Are they covenanting back? You know, are you, are you, are you guys mutually covenanting with each other to see church discipline happen, to see growth happen, to see the sacraments practiced, the word taught, and gospel proclaimed? Uh, are you singing songs of of hymns together? Are you gathering in worship together? Are you living life together? Are you being the body together? Are you serving together? Are you studying the word you, together? Yeah. Are you hashing are you, it are out? Are you when building a building together? Struggles. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So those are the questions I would yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah. As, I mean, it's complicated too because, I mean, the Bible doesn't speak to our, our, our modern context where, I mean, the, the, I mean, they had technological advances in their own day. But our, our own technological advances are, are just so so vastly different. Yeah. And, I mean, I think when you look at how different churches are structured, I mean, defining terms and how you use terms and, and what uh, – I, I sometimes think that we, we don't always connect what we're doing to uh, what's forming us. And I think part of part, – it's important for us to consider, you know, wh- what am I doing – and how is that forming me spiritually into i mean if if my if in the christian life i want to i want to grow into christ likeness uh, 
Like that's that's part of spiritual maturity is is becoming more and more like Jesus. Well, how did Jesus live? What did he do? How, how did he? And, and you could argue, well, Jesus didn't. He he just had a small group of people. Like he just that that was his. Like were the disciples his church? You know, you could you could you could debate all of those things. But I think like. What what is what was Jesus trying to establish, and what is he bringing about in 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 his kingdom, and and what does it mean for us? I I, I think that some of the things that we're trying to accomplish through uh, even like you think Sunday morning gathering, it's like is is church Sunday morning gathering? Is church an event? Is it something that that you go to? Well, I think that's I think that's part of your spiritual formation where. It, Rather than it's specifically in our in our context, you hear people talk about church being very consumeristic, and they talk they in, in a you want to critique that you want to push back against the consumeristic model of of doing church so to speak. Um, and I think I think there's there's value in in receiving and and taking in good content, good teaching. But as we're thinking. I, I really think we want to call people into rather than consumerism, we want to call people into particip- a participatory type experience of, of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. where you're you're able to uh, you're drawn in to, to use your gifts that you, you you have a sense of purpose. I mean, it's like we talk about all the time. We all want to be known. We all want to be loved. We all want to be called to purpose. And I think in the body of Christ, you you experience that where. Each of us has a, has a has a unique gifting that, that God has called us to to use for the, for the building up of, of His church, His body, and and to um, and we have different experiences, and we're called into that, and uh, and, and and are recipients of that as, as we're called to be ministers. So, so I think when you come into like a like a church context, like Waypoint, for example, um, I, I see it as like a, a whole package, like it's it's the full package. It's not it's not just songs and and a sermon. Um, but it's it's also the people, and it's it's the the culture that's created there. It's it's what it means to live as as part of the family. It's uh, w- when when people when people are serving on on the welcome team, that is one way that you get to participate. Not the only way. Well, it's one way you get to participate in in being the priest of all believers, of being a minister of the gospel, where you are literally getting to welcome in the saints back home. Where like you come into the, the the body of Christ, you should feel like you're home, or you can welcome in the stranger, who who doesn't know what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, and you, you get to welcome them in to draw near to to Christ's body and to hear Christ's word pre- proclaimed. You, you're a part of that. You have you have purpose there. Or if you're serving in Waypoint Kids, you get to bear witness to not only what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, you get to teach kids that the truths of the gospel. That you're drawing them into that they 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 get kids kids in our church get to know that they are they are loved by God that they, they can come into a safe loving context where they can thrive and flourish where they can they can learn that the purposes that God has for them that's part of that's part of what it means to be the body of Christ I think I think as we as we live out what it means to be the church um, the church is able to do far more than what I'm able to do on my own and so I. As I, I can honestly say that uh, I I am loving and caring for the poor. I'm caring for the least of these. I'm mm-hmm. you know we're doing prison ministry or or we're doing we're loving refugees or not not because Waypoint specifically is doing those things. But we're doing we're trying to do some of those things, um, but because I'm a part of the body of Christ globally, I am a part of those things because I'm a part of something that's bigger than myself in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also locally, you know, 
it's like you're writing these these like Paul wrote these letters, Peter wrote these letters. He's writing to to churches. He's writing to a community of faith, and, and you know he doesn't. It, we're a part of that, and and so I think when it comes to uh, you know as as we're like living out like being a part of a, a community group or a small group, like that is that is one way that you are being formed into Christ's image, where you're gathering with other other believers, and that that has a specific purpose. When you're reading the Word on your own, you're like drawing away to be with the Lord. That that has that's that's spiritually forming you in some way. Um, but I think it's it's. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't want to forsake those things as we want to give courage to fellow brothers and sisters. So could we say to a modern Christian, it's okay to we we want you to listen to podcasts of other pastors and stuff. We we want you to kind of like join a parachurch Bible study or be part of a parachurch mission if that's where God's called you to. Like we we actually partner with some. We partner with uh, safe families and these other parachurch ministries. It's okay to be. We want you to be in a community group. We want you to study the Bible on your own. We want you to seek out, you know, Christian podcasts and Bible, biblical theology podcasts and learn. But we don't want you to subs. These aren't. These are part of being part of the the church and being part of Christ. But they're not the only thing. So, so Lawrence, how how do we get like? What does it mean to be part of Waypoint? To say I'm a member of a local church. Like, what are we trying to encourage our folks to do? And, and as we think about this, and how could we gently help a friend who's like, well, I don't need to go, I don't need to go on Sunday morning because I watch so-and-so on YouTube. That's my church. Like, yeah, how, how, do you, how have you thought about this as, as the world has changed and the church has changed? Yeah. As you've listened, as I've been a part of this conversation today, as you can see, a big part of it is this covenant idea. And a big part of covenant is actually being together. There's a, there's a um, kind of a, a participation that needs to, that's required. You know, how do you live in community if you're not, how do you live, love one another? How do we encourage one another? How do we spur each other on? How do we grow together? How do we live up to our covenant promises if we're not together? It's just, so attending together is attending vital. Attending together is vital. And, and I say that not in a legalistic way. I'm not saying this to you, all of you guys out there being like, you better come to church on Sunday morning or you're in trouble. Not at all. I'm saying it's vital. If, I don't, if I'm not around my wife, I'm not able to be a good husband to her at times. I'm just not. As much as I want to be, if I'm not around to love her, to serve her, to care for her, if I'm not around my kids, it's hard for me to be a good father to them. There's something about attendance, about participation, being around them. And please, I'm not. Please don't hear me this to say you're a terrible father, a terrible husband if you're not around your kids or wife. I'm not saying that at all. I think, but there's something to to do with being around each other. So Jesus set it up for us to show up on a regular basis. And be with brothers and sisters yeah, to he, hear the word he set proclaimed. Up a rhythm for us. God to, set up a rhythm for us. To talk about the word. We we recognize for some of you who are like pushed back and you read you read the early chapters of Acts, and some people have come up to me and said, Why can't we be more like this? And I'll be like, Yeah, that was a great that was a moment in time. And right after that, we have Corinthians and the letters that John wrote to the churches in Revelation. The, even that group that you know, thirty years later, forty years later, those guys started falling apart. You know, they, they had problems, but God was with them, and the Spirit the, mm-hmm. God, the spirit came and is guiding the church. We are the Spirit's church. This is Christ's church under the direction and authority and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So God, it will prevail. But, but in that, I think some people go back to that model and they say, how, how can we get back to that purity? And I, and I say, the starting point is not to separate from the local assembly and try to recreate the purity again. 
if God put you in something, work it out. Like I would say the New Testament letters say, stick it out. Try to be with these other brothers and sisters. Don't just jump ahead and create something new and create something new and create something new. It's sad that we are Protestant. We are protesters. We 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 split and split and split. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we got to do that. But I, I would I would I would really encourage people to if God has you in a place to ask Him, even if I don't, how how can I be in part of this body? How can I engage these people? How can I love these people? Why has God called me into this body? And sometimes you got to leave. Sometimes Absolutely, you yeah. got you, sometimes yeah. for various reasons, we're especially not, for unhealthy reasons. Yeah, for unhealthy. If they're not obeying Christ and they're not honoring what the New Testament letters say a church should be, then then you need to leave. That's okay. But if it's more just personality or other things, just ask God how how can I stick with this group and love them and be part of them and and what would it mean for me to be part of a local church? And if you're struggling with this, come talk to us. We want to we want to help you guys really feel participation in the local church. And if you're not feeling it, talk to us and don't just say, oh, well, we got to recreate it by creating this new group. Come talk to us and let's see how we can really help you feel it and be participatory in in the local body. And I I would say um, that as as we go... the, the the local church i mean the, the each each local assembly is going to take on uh certain quirks and personality traits and i mean like at waypoint we have lots of kids not every church has as many kids as we have that's that's not like a comparison game it's just it's just the nature of our mm-hmm. church like it's a, it's a it's a blessing and and so we ask a lot of people as they come into our church to to serve with kids because we we just have a high need mm-hmm. and um, and so I think that's part of you know as you as you join into a body, you, you learn the, the 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 personality traits and quirks and uh, of the different parts of that body, and and you, you join into that. You, you you participate together. You take ownership of that together. And I think I think it's really beneficial to take ownership of those things together. And it's also it's it's so beneficial. Uh, to be able to share in each other's burdens together, mm. to, the, 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 that the body of Christ is is God's grace to us yes. to help us sustain, to persevere as we go, as as the Lord has us in, in alongside these people for the time that He has us for. Mm. That that's a joy. It's it's a blessing to us that not only that we get to receive that, but that we get to give that. Mm. We get to give that to others. We get to to be a support to one another. Um, when you come into the church, it's not just about me. It's not just about me. It's about us and, and learning to, to be more others-focused as Christ was others-focused. So some of the, not always, but sometimes the motivation is for some of these things is we're, is, is a little bit inward focus. So, so the Bible wants us individually to know God and to be able to experience Him individually, but also to be part of this body. So coming to the regular gathering, trusting that God brought you to this group of people in this time is a good thing. It's part of the plan. It's it's his plan. The local church is God's plan to build his kingdom. That's right. So any final thoughts, guys? I mean, we're going to continue this conversation for y'all listening. I mean, this is yeah. just the beginning of us. We want to continue to show you how to, how to be the local church, and we're always l- trying to learn, God, how, what does it mean for us to be the local church you've called us to be? And we know it's not easy. Um, being a local church that gets to weep with each other, rejoice with each other, be vulnerable, takes a lot of work. It's kind of foreign to most of us in this Western yeah. culture. But that's what we're, we're trying to strive for here, this community, this body together, is that f- when you carry my burdens, what I was able to share this past Sunday, mm-hmm. and I started crying, and I started sharing 
I wasn't carrying the burden of my child alone. I felt the weight when Danny was praying over all of us. I knew that burden was carried by my church family. So it's no longer just my burden that I'm carrying by myself. It's not no longer just me and Gina, but my whole church family carries that burden with me. Guys, that feels lighter. It just does. And then when I got to come into the office today, I got to celebrate uh, something that Josiah wrote and share with the staff. My joy feels greater. Because I get to share the joys with more of my with my family. That's what we're asking you to step into. We're not saying do this because you joined the membership and you made a commitment card. We're saying come and be a part of this family together. It's work and it's hard and it's vulnerable and it's foreign to you, but it's good and it's a taste of heaven on earth. Yeah. And I would add too that uh, we we understand too that I mean we're not perfect and we're still working on this. We're still we're still trying to figure this out. Um, and and even as as people are coming, you know, have different church experiences, different church backgrounds. So there's a lot of hurt that that comes in that, and we, we want to have compassion for that. We want to. So maybe for you, church church is not a safe haven. It's it's uh, it's it's hard to step back into, and and yet you still see the beauty of it. And I just want to honor that, and want to give you give you space as you're as you're working through that. That you know sometimes it's just. You, you, as you're committed to the church, that you just need to, I just want to remind you that the church is is devoted to you. That we we, we desire to, to covenant and, and to to care, to shepherd, to, to support, to encourage the the, the people as, as as God has called us to, and and that we ultimately we're, we're trying to submit to Him and and, yeah. and Christ as as our head. He's He's our leader. That's right. All right, I'm gonna end with this. This is from Romans 12. Paul Romans 1 through 11. Paul gives us this beautiful picture of God saving a broken humanity and, and and literally establishing the church and showing the covenants and how we got to where we are. And then he tells us how to be the body in Romans 12 through 16. And he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of of us has one body with many members these members do not have the same function so in christ though we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given to us if your gift is prophecy then prophesy in accordance with your faith if it's serving then serve if it's teaching then teach if it's to encourage then give encouragement if it's giving then give generously if it's to lead do it diligently if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I think Paul gives us a way, and we this is going to happen in community. Paul's showing us that Christ established a church, and we get to be the body together. So thank you for joining in us as the body of Christ, and we look forward to serving with you for many, many years as we build Christ's kingdom here in the Triangle. Have a great week, y'all. Love you guys. 